In today's episode, we're speaking to Charmaine Barrier. Charmaine is a certified coach who empowers women to embody healthy emotions, shift their mindset, and connect with their soul power to live an abundant life with clarity, confidence, and courage. And she is an international best-selling author. Today, we're speaking to Barrier to find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. And if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundations.com and watch my free training on three steps to becoming a money magnet. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm extra excited because I have a friend, a colleague, and a client of mine, Sharmin Bari with me. Welcome, Sharmin. Hello. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us, Sharmin. Sharmin, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. But please, in your own words, share with everyone what it is that you do. Well, I have a social worker by profession. I left my job to become a professional coach. I work mostly primarily with divorced women to help them um, get more clarity and confidence and more courage to go after their dreams after they've mostly been uh, considering divorce or they've been divorced. And so we kind of uh, try to help them understand what is it that they want to create and then I help them get to their goals. So that's what I do. Wonderful, wonderful. And so, Shermin, I mean, I know that you personally quite well because you've been working with me and in my mastermind. But the reason why we're talking today is because I think your story is so profound and so important. And um, it, and it's something that you shared in your book as well, isn't it? That you, you talked about in your book. What's the name of your book? Yeah, the name of the book is I'm Powerful. I co-authored it with three, uh, I mean, a total of three authors. Uh, two other ladies wrote their stories of empowerment and what uh, life's difficulties, how they got them to where they are today. So all of us have shared our own personal experiences of having difficulties and having moved through those and coming out on the other side. So uh, it's more about empowerment. So I, I, I'm I, really keen to hear your your story. So, you know, I know that you're, you're also from Pakistan, from my, from my, my, my region of the world. Talk us through how does a woman who grows up in in Pakistan end up in Canada? Was it Canada and then the US? It's US. It's US. US. Sorry, US. Who ends up in the US and is, you know, I know because women in Pakistan, you know, it sounds um, like, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, subjugating or we're, 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 we're sort of generalizing a whole group of women but i know majority of women who are from pakistan even if they've grown up in uk and that includes me i was born and brought up in uk divorce is such a taboo such a taboo subject and it's uh, it has its own you know shame and humiliation attached to it. it doesn't matter if you are purely innocent and you're married to a narcissist or whatnot the fact that you've gone down the divorce route it or you're thinking about it uh, you know, it, it, this, this, all elements of shame associated with that. So, 
talk us through, you know, how did you, you know, how did Shamin go from being a youngster in Pakistan to being an independent, strong-minded and an inspiration to people, um, a woman in um, in the U.S.? Yeah, so I'm, my journey started actually when I was 17 years old. We came to U.S., uh, Houston specifically, um, along with my younger sister and my mom and dad. And then finally, my dad's mom, my maternal grandmother joined us. And it was just um, getting used to the new country, new environment, and uh, just going about motions and just trying to figure out the new world over here compared to what we were used to back home in Pakistan. Both my parents were very uh, like open-minded. Both of them were educated, working. My mom worked. So my inspiration also came from my mom, knowing that she worked from as far as I can remember. So I was kind of wanted, always wanted to be like my mom. Like I could see that she was going to work, coming to work, and she looked this independent lady. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want too. And my dad encouraged that, even though we were two girls living in Pakistan. So when we came over here, obviously there were some cultural differences. You know, dad obviously was wanting to make sure that we stayed within our confines and just mm-hmm. didn't become too crazy, uh, finding too much independence in the Western culture. So that was a little bit of struggle at at when I was 17, it was teenage years for me. And then I got married. I went to college. I did graduate uh, studies in social work. I always loved working with people. And I married at the age of 28. It was a marriage that was not arranged, but it was a friend who introduced me to my partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, he proposed in a very short time. I went um, to meet him at my cousin's place. We had just communicated with each other about two months. And then he proposed and I said yes, even though my mom had kind of warned me to just be mindful. I thought I was in love and all this. And then I got married and then, you know, I stayed with him for 10 years, continued to work. But in those 10 years, nine and a half years actually of marriage, I found myself to be in an abusive relationship very, very soon after I was married. In fact, Mm. Uh, literally within uh, six months of our marriage, I could tell that this marriage wasn't going to last much longer, but I kind of pushed it through because of my two kids. Uh, they were young at that age when I divorced. They were five and seven. Wow. Now, talk us through how did you, um, how did you, you know, if, if let's, let's, let's explore this a bit further. If after six months you realize that this person isn't the right one for you, why did you stay in that marriage? Yeah, and that's a question, obviously, many people always ask when someone's in an abusive relationship. By the way, I'm asking this not as a, any, any point, point of judgment, because I've been through it, so I know the answer. I just want to explore yes. and have yes. the audience understand it. So just clarify yes. that, okay? So, yeah, so even as a social worker, I used to see this lots of, uh, like, people who always judge women. Why not? Why is this? But there are many factors. And for me, I'm going to make it personal. For me, it was mm. most, and number one was about shame. Uh, I did not want my parents to feel like they had spent all this money and, you know, had this marriage. And then I was afraid about, you know, the repercussions of what the society would say. We are actually a smaller community. We are Zoroastrian. So it's a very tight knit community. And there was only one or two ladies that had divorced uh, that I can remember. And I could see people like you know, talking and whispering. I could tell even though that people would say, oh, we never talk like that. But I could see that there were judgments being passed about those ladies. And I was always very empathetic towards them. 
never knowing, even as a young child, never knowing in my uh, when I was in my 20s that I myself would have to be one of those ladies um, at one point in life. So it was mostly the shame. It was also trying to figure out what's going to happen financially. Um, mm-hmm. My husband controlled most of the money. I mean, even though I worked, I worked hard. Um, but he was the one that made most of the decisions, how it, things would go and where the money would be invested and where it would be. And I was so busy raising kids and working full time, sometimes eight, nine plus hours. And then like coming home would be like almost 10 hours or so. So I was exhausted. And so stuff like money and all that, I would let him deal with it because I really didn't pay much attention to money. I was just not that money minded, so to speak. And I was was easier to just let it be. And it was a big mistake because later on I woke up and it's like, oops, what is all this money? What do I do? What do I own? Where is everything? And I had to really, if my parents were not there, I would have not been able to be where I am today. So thank God for my parents who really came through my sister, uh, my family was very much behind me, and that made it so much easier uh, to leave the, my marriage. I don't think the, the the Western world comprehends the extent to which our communities, South Asians, not just Pakistan, but South Asians, that could be India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, you know, the whole, whole South Asian region. Yeah, region. Yeah, the whole region adheres to these social norms or and you know and the shame and humiliation attached not just to you but to your entire family if you step out of line and stepping out of line I mean not sleeping around but actually having a divorce like you know not doing anything wrong but actually doing something stepping up for yourself and going down the divorce path and Therefore, when you go, when you're a woman from South Asian root, doesn't matter if she's born and brought up in in the Western world, when she picks and chooses the idea of divorce over her marriage, then she has to battle a lot of inner demons along with the idea that she's bringing shame to her family. And even if she doesn't believe in that, the family goes ahead and you know really drums it into her that you know she's brought shame into the family. Some people are, I think, a bit fortunate like you that, uh, you know, your family supported you. But there are many examples where the support is not there or they're not here nor there about it. I mean, I uh, when I share my example, when I decided to, sh- um, for my first abusive husband, when I, when I, I could, I wasn't allowed to file for divorce. I wasn't allowed to file for divorce. They said, told me to just sit there and wait. My uncle, uh, when he started sending the draft divorce papers as a way to humiliate. He wasn't going to divorce me. He was just trying to humiliate my uncle and my family. So he sent draft divorce papers, not to me, but to my uncle at his workplace, to a family friend at their house, to my brother and my sister-in-law, and to another one of my uncles who has nothing to do with it. It's like a distant uncle. So he sent all these draft divorce papers everywhere just to say that I'm going to divorce her and whatever else. At that moment, my my real uncle, he got he got on the phone with call with me and said, "Look, do whatever you want. I support you." And he gave me permission. Not my father, not my brother. My uncle gave me permission, and that's when I did it. So, this idea that shame is, you know, why we why you went why shame was such an important thing for you, I can understand how big a deal it was because you still brought up, even though you'd moved to to US the ideology that you grew yes. up with was still coming from Pakistan where divorce yeah, it's deeply rooted. It's deeply, deeply rooted. So if you're a divorced woman, you're of low character. You, you know, you are uh, breaking up society. You are, uh, I don't know, 
all sorts of things come to my mind. Yeah. How did you, so even though your family supported you, how, and I'm, I'm sure you experienced this from the external community, how did you deal with the shame factor with the ex- external community, even though your family supported you? Now, that would have been a big thing for you. Yeah, that was, it was kind of difficult in the beginning. I chose, uh, because because we were a small community, my husband was serving on different community uh, committees and stuff like that at, at our community centers and stuff. And I think that was his way of just kind of being like being there. I felt I just chose not to be there because it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And because of the abuse, I also had um, a restraining order that me and meant that I couldn't be like he couldn't be very close to me. So I had to honor that as well. And then there were times where I just didn't feel like going because I felt guilty. Uh, I could see sometimes, you know, at community events, you know, people would kind of look at you differently all of a sudden, or you just didn't feel like you were part of the group. Even the friends that you had started to kind of take sides and distance themselves. And then uh, sometimes my kids were not included in everything, even though now they've their things have changed. But if you were to ask anybody or if I've ever brought it up, people are still in some level of denial. They don't want to accept that any that they could have done anything like that. And they're like, oh, maybe it's in your mind. That's what a couple of my friends said. Oh, maybe it's just in your mind. We never did this. But you can tell when the feelings towards you have changed or when people are not really there like they said they would. And so in those moments, at least I could find out who my true friends were. And they were friends from my childhood who continue to stay on without any um, hesitation. And then the ones that kind of came and went during our married years, you know, they would take sides and then they were like, no, it couldn't be this, couldn't be that. So I just chose myself at that point to just focus on me being a great mom, you know, navigating the difficult journey and then making sure that I was able to be there 100% of the time for my kids and making sure that their needs were met and that I was also trying to heal from everything that had happened. So life was busy. Those 10 years uh, were hell for me. And then the years after that were just like rebuilding your life all over again at age 38. That was hard trying to start all over again and saving and working and doing this. And thank God for my mom and dad again. They stepped in when the kids were young and had to go to school and I was working long hours. They did everything that they could to make sure that um, that I was taken care of and that my kids were taken care of, more importantly. Okay. So everybody in the family rallied around us. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. That's so beautiful and that's so wonderful. And I commend your family for doing that and supporting you. A lot of the yes. times there are, you know, many women um, who don't have that kind of support network. Yes. Um, and I think this is where, I I think we need to reach out to them too. Because I think we've got two examples. You've got someone like you who had the support and someone like me who doesn't, who never had the support. Both of us, the regardless of whether you had the support or not, you have to work on your own mindset. You have to work on your own mindset. You have to dig deep and work out your self. So let's, let's ask a question about that. How did you look upon yourself in the mirror and decide that you're not that woman that these people are talking about. And I and I say this because I, I remember 
you say things have moved on, but I don't, I don't think people move on that quickly. Even recently, I've got one of my closest cousins and I love her to bits and I know she loves me and so forth. But her idea of divorce is like, it's a, it's a, it's a non-negotiable, like you don't divorce. Okay. She just doesn't believe in divorce at all, unless it's just, um, you know, whatever. I don't think she has any exceptions to it. Right. Um, and with me, you know, she's been as supportive as she can, but the fact that I've been divorced twice, she has made it out that I don't think she intentionally does it, but she has where she can make me feel so small, even though she was fully aware of both incidents and supported me, supposedly supported me fully for both. But the fact that I am divorced twice is a stigma and it's a stigma for her. So how do you look in the mirror? Actually, not now, but we, when you were younger, because this is going to help those of, of our, you know, our peers, whether they're Asian or non-Asian doesn't really matter. Because I think this is, this is universal. How did you look in the mirror and find your self-worth? How did you look in the mirror and say, no, I'm not what these people think me to believe or, leave, or believe me to be. I'm amazing and I'm worth it and I'm doing the right thing. It's that digging deep in your heart and knowing your self-worth. How do you do that? Yeah, so for me, I've always had self-worth. I always knew that I was special, even as a young child. I was a little bit different because I um, always was a little bit of a rebel, wanted to do things my way and did it. And then would go to parents and say, oh, I did it this way. And I sometimes remember mom getting mad at me saying, you're always doing things and then letting us know, how come you don't ask permission? So then it was ingrained in me that asking permission was important. So as I grew up, but I think... Mostly for me, the divorce came mostly because of my children. I was starting to see changes in their behavior. Mm. And there was one incident that was really like it was bad because my ex-husband got abusive in front of them, which often used to happen. And then this one particular incident, I remember my son cowering under the bed and he was only like four at that time. And just the look of sheer terror scared the heck out of me. And that's when I decided no more. This was the time to move out. After I moved out, there were moments that I was also angry at myself for having left my husband, thinking I may may have made the biggest mistake of my life. Did I take the kids away from their father, even though consciously I knew that wasn't the right environment for them. But deep down, unconsciously, I was always questioning myself. There were times I remember getting mad at my mom and dad and sometimes at my sister too, saying, you know, you shouldn't have encouraged me and, you know, what have I done, so to speak. So there were moments of anger and stuff, especially not well because it took three years for me to divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in those moments, I just felt like torn between what to do. I was still married, not married. My husband was fighting for custody. Obviously, I didn't want my husband to have custody because of our situation. So it was those moments. And those moments, I felt a lot of anger towards just the whole situation. I felt betrayed by my husband. I felt kind of left out. I felt like I'm going to start all over again. And with all these responsibilities, financial, and just making life work for us uh, was hard. And then when I would look at myself in the mirror, I was always remember I had um, I actually read a book one day. I don't know. It was a, either a magazine or a book, but there was this statement by Audrey Hepburn that always stuck in me. And it was that if you're going to be a matured woman, you will have to walk the path by yourself and not everybody's going to like you. Mm-hmm. So you better like yourself and move forward and hold your head high. So that's when my inspiration came. Then a few years before, uh, actually, I divorced my husband. I had come across this book uh, by, I think, uh, Charles Morrow's wife. Um, forget her name. But the name of the book was, I think, Lessons from the, from the Sea 
or seashells or something like that. And it was a book that talked about that every shell is different shape and sizes, but every shell has to have its own little journey. And they said for every woman has to cross the other end by herself. There can be people to support her, but the journey is your own. And it's it's a lonely journey. So you need to get used to it and come out on the other side. So that gave me inspiration. This is my journey. This is my journey. I kept reminding myself that this is my journey. And that just because I chose a different path doesn't make me any less of a woman than anybody else. And it also made me feel actually stronger that I'm walking the path that very few women have had the courage or the know-how or the insight to do that. And once that insight was kind of strong, for me, it was like being a mama bear. Like my mission was to protect the children at all costs. And that became my mission and my purpose. I have to take the kids to the other side, make sure they're successful, make sure they're doing what they need to do. And I thought I was able to do that uh, very well. Kids are grown. My son's 21. He'll be graduating very soon this May from uh, doing business administration. And then my daughter finally, uh, she thought she was going to be a doctor, decided now she wants to be a lawyer. So went to law school. And I think she has that sense like me of social justice and helping people that don't have a voice and giving them that voice. So for me, those qualities were important. So I said, you know, I have to hold my head up high and doesn't matter what other people say. It's my life, what I need to do, what I'm creating for myself and for my children. And from that moment, everything changed, everything shifted. I felt like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I am successful. I am powerful. I can do all of those things. And then I have to keep reminding myself. And then I would, I remember passing by uh, some of the ladies and I'm like, oh, I'm going to show you that I am not dependent upon what you say or what you think about me. It is who I am. And then when I said I am this or that, and when the words were positive, I felt great. So that was my motivating factor, like kids and what I needed to do. And I knew that I needed a better life for myself. So leaving my husband was uh, was no brainer at that point. Beautiful. And I think I, I think many of us can resonate with that. I think the mama bear is what pushes us forward. I remember when I when I divorced my first husband, it was because he was he was physically attacking me when I had my eight week old baby in the hand. So I think that was the point that I don't remember I don't remember I blocked out that that phase of my life. So I don't know exactly what he did. But I remember having the courage somehow to pick up the phone and call in the police um and that's that was the end of that marriage and I don't know till this day would I have had the courage if I wasn't holding my baby when he attacked me I don't honestly I don't know I don't know what mindset I was in and whatever whether I would have had the courage to do that and it's and and then afterwards you go into the mode that I need to protect this child and the kids are more important than I and you move forward and I am so glad that you said this so you felt guilty about leaving your husband because you took the kids away from the father I've had this guilt for both my kids, um, even though I've not put any obstacles in the way for the, the fathers to visit the children. There isn't uh, the, my, you know, my daughter has very little contact at all with her father. His choice, not mine. And even the even my son now, his father sees him sporadically, not regularly. And that guilt eats me up inside that somehow, you know, because of my failed relationships, my children do not have a father. Now, there's nothing that I could do. I cannot control these people. You could not control your ex-husband. You could not control how his behavior was. But yet you felt the guilt that your children grew up with the father. How do you deal with that guilt? 
I think that guilt is important. Uh, for me, I had to learn to separate my feelings, my relationship with my husband. And I also understood that my kids had to have some relationship with their dad uh, because that's what the court courts had ordered. Um, it was initially it was very, extremely hard when the kids would leave. They were like five and seven. And I just did not know how it was. The only good thing that came out of me is that my husband lived closer to my neighbor. He finally moved closer to where I moved after we divorced. I moved to this neighborhood and then he decided to move because that made it easy for us to exchange kids and stuff like that. But there were moments sometimes I would just feel kind of scared or not sure. Initially when they would leave, I would I would be like, the minute they would leave, I would cry and it would be like, oh, when are they coming back? When are they coming back? There would be times when I would just feel like, oh, I just need to go and check up on them. So I would just probably nobody knows but I would hop in my car and just drive by and just kind of make sure that everything looked okay in the house at his house and then I would just come back just those were my ways of just making sure that the kids were okay and stuff like that uh obviously we had cell phones so we would we only had like five minutes to talk to the kids so it was like call at this time and if you miss that time then you know he wouldn't pick up the phone and stuff so that would be like hard for me at times but we learned to adjust ourselves. And then I realized that I had to be there for the kids. And I did not want to re-traumatize my kids through my own actions. And although there were some moments where I would kind of get angry and I would just start <laughs> talking about like, why me and why this and why that? And I remember my daughter just being the rock. She would just come and just sit next to me. It's okay, mom, it's going to be okay. Or she would write little sticky notes. And that was a big thing. We would write sticky notes for each other. Love you, this or that. Have a great day. Or my daughter would say, mom, just enjoy. We'll be back soon as they started growing up. And then I started to find out from my son. I asked them, I said, what's the hardest part of all this? I remember my son saying the hardest part for them was moving back and forth. They said it felt like living our lives from a suitcase. And that's what was hard for me. And then my daughter one time told me, mom, I'm very glad that you helped us save our lives, that we don't have to go through this again. So then I knew that my decision was right. The kids supported me 100%. But at the same time, they're smart enough now to know that they need to have a relationship with their father. And I try not to interfere or not to badmouth my ex because I knew if I did, it would permanently damage the relationship with uh, their father. And I did not want that. I wanted my kids to come to their own terms and decide for themselves what type of relationship they wanted with their dad. And I've forgiven my husband and it took a long time. But the more I've forgiven him, the more I feel like, hey, I can move beyond and live my life. Beautiful. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up. So this episode has been primarily to talk through your journey. And then we're going to work out where you can talk about empowerment on Money Talkies. But today... I, I would love for you to share with us and tell us how can we get your book, Charmaine, and how can we connect with you online? Yeah, so my book, I can just show you, it's called I'm Powerful, mm-hmm. and it's written by two ladies. And right now, you can order the book at this link, uh, bit.ly forward slash sbarya hyphen I am powerful. And I'm going to try to see if I can uh, get my web designer to put it on my website, which is esparia at charminebaria.com. I'm sorry. Oops. My website is charminebaria.com. And um, I'll, I'll post my other information so that you can get it. 
Wonderful. So if you're listening to us on our podcast, then you, these uh, the links that Sharmin has just mentioned will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we will have the links to Sharmin as well. Go check out her book. I think it's especially for those who are, for those females of you, who are in, in abusive relationships? Actually, let's be let's be um, very um, gender neutral here. There are men who are also in abusive relationships, so let's let's let let that be a, yeah. an open question. So, anybody who is or feels like they're in an abusive relationship, then they need some inspiration to make a decision about themselves and need to move forward with their lives. Go check out this book; it will give you a lot of help and a lot of guidance, and I think a lot of inspiration to make come to the right conclusions and ideas about your life. Do check her out, and um, I'm, I'm sure you're going to fall in love with Charmaine as much as I have. But Charmaine, thank you so much for being such an amazing thank guest you. today. We have to have you back on Money Talkies, but for today, thank you so much. Thank you so much, too. Bye. And thank you for listening to me and Charmaine today. I will be back with another Friday feature with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.goalcard.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.